coming off the top of the cage it is the top of the cage podcast i am bill joined always by my tag team partner my wrestling confidant justin juice cannon what's going on juice how we doing this week uh i'm doing i'm doing good i'm doing good bill um this is kind of a weird start to the week for wrestling so i'm kind of just confused confused that wwe's beginning of the week revolved around an egg and um fans doing um wild really stupid things that <laughs> why, why the fuck would you do that so yeah it's just it's been wild it's only WWE, man. It's between weird storylines, fan attacks. I saw a post on Twitter today that was like, WWE doesn't have a lot of fans at their shows, and the ones that do show up interrupt it. I was like, wow, what a fucking dig. Yeah, MGF is the one who said that. Was it actually? I, yeah. I, I might have seen it third party, then I don't know if I actually saw MGF be the one that tweeted that. Uh, yeah, he said that's <laughs> funny. Um, also, other big news, just a quick one. MLW has a uh, major league wrestling. They haven't, they put out a public, uh, oh my gosh, I just can't talk. Um, service, a public service announcement, uh, public release, press release, that's what it's called. Jesus, I'm a communications major. I can think of the word press release. <laughs> public relations, like concentration. All right. Yeah, um, they said that. They're issuing an open door policy for all wrestlers. So that means you can come and go as you please. And that's a good strategy because they don't have to keep as many wrestlers on contract. I kind of thought they already did this. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's cool. And um, it gives more opportunities, more people. And it should really change up the look of that uh, roster. So that, that's it on that. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I think that a lot of wrestling companies should really start adopting stuff like that. I mean, unless you you are WWE or AEW where you are like the the top of the wrestling world where you do want your guys to kind of be a little bit more exclusive. I mean, AEW is doing it very well though. But I, I understand where WWE comes from. You know, WWE presents themselves as that golden standard. So they have to act like that golden standard. So I get it. I actually saw a post today as well um, that like WWE and AEW should do like community events that are against each other, like a dodgeball game or like a softball game or like a volleyball game, you know, like you sell tickets to the show all in the interest of doing a communal fundraiser. So that way you're not actually having the wrestlers wrestle each other. Nobody really has to go over. The only thing that really people go over for is bragging rights, quote unquote, you know, but. Um, I liked that idea. I think that's pretty interesting because then you can get like promos and stuff of like you can hear MJF kind of promo against like Roman Reigns or something, you know, something that you won't hear every day, something that you might not even hear in your lifetime. So I like those ideas. You know, I don't have to necessarily wrestle, but, you know, do something right for the community. We like community stuff around here. Yeah, that's a fine idea. That would be a really good idea. Um, if you were making a one, if you're making a dodgeball team out of wrestlers, AW versus WWE. One, which brand are you picking? And two, name, let's say six. Uh, well, Wesley, how many people are in the movie Dodgeball? 
<laughs> I think it is six v six. Yeah, it is six v six. I'm I'm gonna go three men and three women, just in the interest of being fair to both. Uh, I think that I would probably go WWE side. It's hard for me not to just pick the whole new day from the male side, just because that would they would just be so fun. Um, honestly, I think I am gonna pick the whole new day. And then for women, I'd probably go Charlotte, Becky, and Bianca. And for the AEW side, and if you're going to have the New Day, you got to have the Bucks and Kenny, I feel like. Maybe the Bucks and Cole at that point, too. And then for the women's side, I feel like I'd go Britt. For the other women, though, maybe Thunder Rosa and maybe Ruby, just for the sake of Ruby being there, you know, having the history with the company. I think that I would have, I, I, again, I'm not picking who goes over because I'm sure they're going to legitimately play the game. From a pure athleticism standpoint, I think I might have to go with Team WWE because I feel like the Bucks and Kenny or the Bucks and Cole will be very good at dodging balls and same because they're just very like flexible and move around well. But I mean, you and I have played high school gym dodgeball before, and I hate to peg women in a hole like this, but you know, I'm sure these freak athlete women could probably do very well at it, but I'm sure Bianca Belair could probably huck a dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, and she just would be almost impossible to hit. Like, she's so athletic and just, yeah, she'd be a tank. A person from AEW I feel like would be a threat um, is Jade Cargill. I feel like she can huck it too. She's got freaking muscles on muscles. <laughs> she could definitely just n- knock someone out. <laughs> But yeah, no, I like those lineups. It's because if you're doing it for community, you have the big stars to draw, and then um, people just make a little spectacle, and make fun fun out of it. But yeah, no, that's those are good lineups. I'd like to see that. I don't know; those are pretty perfect. I don't really would change much. I guess maybe instead of Ruby, I'd put Jade. <laughs> uh, give her that's fair. Yeah, because I, I feel like Jade and, and Bianca, I guess at that point, could put on a very good match. Yeah. So why wouldn't you want to see a dodgeball tournament between the two? Yeah. And then if you do Ruby, if you do do Ruby, always, you know, you definitely have to have Liv because then the fans just would just be like, oh, I need to take a picture with both of you. And they'd just be so happy and, like, friendly to get to play dodgeball against each other because they love each other. Uh, yeah, that that definitely, like, you know, pop, pop the crowd too. Pop the fans. That'd be a fun idea, though. I definitely want AW versus WWE dodgeball. It'd be a thing. Even like a kickball, too. I feel like that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, kickball would be good, too. I'm a big dodgeball guy, especially in the movie. <laughs> All right. So we alluded to this a little bit earlier in our intro, but uh, this weekend, since we are recording this actually on Tuesday due to the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, we had Survivor Series and the following Monday Night Raw come past us. And what are some takeaways you have from Survivor Series, Juice? It's, it's weird. It's just, I feel like there's no point to Survivor Series anymore because it's just like these one-off matches and things like end abruptly right away. Uh, I mean, I guess the five and five matches, there's some like storylines and stuff going on there, but sometimes there's not. Like, I mean, like Kevin Owens banning his team, that fit, but then like they brought out like past storylines, like Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, hinting like, oh, maybe they can get the, maybe they'll get the belts again 
and their brands again, and next year they will be in the world title match. A little hint there is is some storytelling, but most of it not. Like Becky and Charlotte, that was interesting going in because the real life tension. But like it's over now, it's done. Um, Biggie and Roman, no, that's done. And I was thinking, oh, maybe that match is to set up uh, Lesnar's return or. The Rock's gonna show up because the whole egg thing had to do with The Rock. But no, yeah, it was a good match though. It's just like I need more than just a good match at times, especially in the Big Four pay per view. I need like a big moment. I need you to progress the story, um, engage me in other ways other than the action. And uh, none of the matches really on this card did that for me. Uh, it wasn't a bad event. I was just like, I'm like, this is. This is, you know, this is fine. This is decent. Um, I, uh, you know, one big moment was Randy Orton, like, getting the win and setting that record for pay-per-view appearances and Mr. Survivor Series, Randy Orton, getting another one at Survivor Series. I thought they were going to lose to get the win. and It's off, like, a random RKO. I thought the match was over with Usos, but then it came out of nowhere. And it's like, that was a nice, that was a nice moment. I love that moment for Randy. And winning it out of nowhere because Akela, no, that was awesome. And my last Survivor Series takeaway is the egg. <laughs> that was just ridiculous. Um, and then transition to Monday Night Raw, being like, whoever finds the egg gets a title shot. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's cool. And I guess that's an interesting way to push Austin Theory, who did it. <laughs> but, but, you're giving him a title shot. The Seth Rollins already earned a title shot. Kevin Owens is also in line. So there's three dudes with a title opportunities coming up. Like, uh, uh, do one thing at a time, WWE. And also, I think it's kind of distasteful to do like, oh, this egg is worth $100 million when you just like fired a bunch of people in the past two weeks. Like, that is very distasteful. Bad timing. I get you're promoting the movie and hinting at The Rock coming back, but it, it just wasn't the time to do that. Should If they wanted to push Austin Theory, they should have found another way to do it or just waited until Seth and Kevin had their little matches against Big E. And that's it. That's a, my for my Survivor Series little rant takeaways. <laughs> right, and even during Survivor Series too, they mentioned the previous history of Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. So, like, if both of them have championship opportunities now, I mean, like, you could maybe work that into a feud where they fight over it. But Seth is on top of his game right now. I mean, he he just had a star, another star baking performance at Survivor Series, another. Great night at Monday Night Raw, bar what happened to him, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I don't, I just don't get it. I, I don't get Survivor Series at all anymore. I feel like one, one thing I saw a lot of people talking about online prior to Survivor Series was how Survivor Series used to be when two superstars had big heat against each other, they would form five on five teams and settle that beef. And I just feel like the brand supremacy stuff at this point has just run its course. I like the champion versus champion stuff. Let's leave that. Like, that's cool. But why don't we let people, like, if you want to do inter-brand promotion stuff, let those two superstars who are having that big feud, you know, even like something like, you know, how how Woods got attacked by, by Roman Reigns, right? Like, yeah, you can keep the champion versus champion 
stuff, but you can have that be the center point of this virus series match. Have your two world champions be the main events virus series match. People are going to want to pay attention to that, especially if you have both Big E and Roman Reigns. Because again, like you, you are going to pull the Usos into it at that point. So you will lose that championship versus champion match. But you can always pull RK Bro and Randy Orton into the Big E side. You know, I'm sure that there's very easy ways to write in that they're boys with the New Day. You know, and you have Woods in there, and I'm sure you can find a fifth. You know, like even You're Jeff Hardy. Boys with the New Day already. Right. Exactly. Like, like it's it's kind of our all there. Like it's there to make it that big beef blow off. And it's just, they just don't do it. I, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's because I grew up in a time that WWE isn't in anymore or whatever people might say, but I don't know. Like, it's it's easy to do this stuff, I feel like. Like, it's not hard. It's, we all see it. And then the other thing about Survivor Series 2, I thought all the matches were all right. I never, I didn't think that there was one particular match that blew me away. You know, I, I thought the men's Survivor Series match was probably the best match of the night. Uh, I liked Becky versus Charlotte just because I like, I like both of them as performers. I think they both work very well together. The finish was a little weird to me, you know, I, but that's, that's big time Vex though. That's, that's just the character. So, you know, that's, that is what it is. And I like the Roman biggie match too, but they hype up the rock all night just for him to not show up. Not even like a cameo. <laughs> like I, I saw a post too that said, Boys, for everybody out there that's ever been ghosted by a girl, WWE had their 25th anniversary with The Rock and he didn't even show up. <laughs> like, have faith. <laughs> so it's like, stuff like that just makes, again, like, I feel like WWE consistently just insults people's intelligence. And like the whole egg shtick, like you said, they literally said it's worth $100 million after they cite budget cuts to be the reason why they cut 80% of their roster this year, whatever, however much percentage it was. And it's just ridiculous. It's just dumb. Like that's just dumb things that you as a fan have to just realize at some point, this is dumb. Like this is just dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much more to say about it, I guess. But overall, I mean, Survivor Series just kind of felt like another pay-per-view this year to me. You know, I, I don't feel like there's anything significant or special about it. Kind of like what you said. And I don't know. I uh, I usually like Survivor Series too, but the brand versus brand stuff I feel like is just overplayed and needs to be moved away from at this point. I definitely agree with that. It's time to just deal away with it and just go back to an old formula or try a new formula for it. One of the, well, either or. And I know I mentioned this during uh, my little rant, but uh, one thing we want to touch about as well is what happened to Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Juice, I don't know if you want to inform the people on that for anybody who might not have seen the video or might not have been watching Raw last night. Yeah, so um, honestly, I missed Raw. I only saw the ups and downs from uh, Simon on uh, Raw Culture. But um, I did see the video last night, and uh, a fan from the crowd, um, as Rollins was leaving after a little skirmish with Balor, a fan jumped on, well, tackled him. They were rolling around the ground. Wrestling officials broke it up. Um, Rollins is okay. He even came out later in the night and even did like a little look around to see if any other fans were attacked. I mean, he played off purposely, uh, perfectly. And um, when the attack happened and Seth Rollins was able to get up, 
Uh, he was like yelling at the guy and like keeping character and like he didn't like knee him or like do anything like uh, a cheap shot, even though he totally could have been like it would have been justified to do the tactic. Um, yeah, it, it gave me more respect for Seth Rollins. And I already had respect for him. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like the dude doesn't get, I don't know, actually, no, he does get credit for how good he is, but maybe not enough credit. I, I feel like it's debatable that he is the best at what he does. You could really debate that um, in any given year. He's one of the perfect wrestlers, and I'm glad he's okay. Uh, he gets big double thumbs up for me for playing that off purposely in the, the lookout. Uh, yeah. But um, the, the fan was arrested um, after a New York PD. And also, oh, uh, tidbit. In addition, it was at the Barclays Center, and two years ago, when they did the Hall of Fame uh, speech for uh, Brett Brett Hitman Hart, I mean he was he was talking, and um, wasn't for him, it was for uh, what Jim Anvil, right? Uh, Neidhart, yeah. And um, a fan jumped from the crowd and attacked him, so it's it's weird to have him in the same place. I guess Barclays Center needs uh, a lot better security. Uh, yeah, I mean, fans need to, like, not do this. I mean, they're just trying to do your job. People trying to watch the show. They're trying to watch wrestlers, not fans, jump in. Like, if, if, if a wrestler, like, walks by you on the, like, ringside and you get in a little shouting match, that's fine. Just don't touch it. <laughs> we don't want to see. And also, you're going to get banned for life. You're going to get jail time. Is it really worth it? Your whole 10 seconds of fame. And it's really infamy, not fame. You're just you're just gonna be known as that douchebag. Literally, yeah. And another thing I saw was how many times have the members of the Shield had instances with fans? You have the the fourth man, the third man, the, but two different instances of a fan pretending like they're the, they're in the Shield. The the third man one I think was the funniest one though, when that guy jumped in with all Shield gear and then Wyatt like pointed him out and was like, "That's your third man. That's your third man." And Mox had an issue with a fan on his one of his entrances. I don't remember if it was this year or last year. And maybe the Shield just, you know, people were so pissed off by them, you know, maybe that they just felt they need to get retribution. But I don't know. It's It just is a dumb thing. Like, that's why I never understood people who, like, run on the field during, like, baseball games or football games, stuff like that, too. It's like, you're going to get banned from any event if that ever happens in that stadium most sports programs are going to completely blacklist you at that point, you know, especially in the Barclays center, they have NHL, NBA, you know, like WNBA concerts, wrestling. You just completely blacklist yourself from all of those things. And I don't know, like, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, you know, I, I obviously, we don't know the mental state of this person and, you know, maybe if they did have something going on, then, that's something they need to figure out, but I don't know. Like it's, it just doesn't make sense. I did. I don't know how true this is, but um, it came from Sean Ross. Tweeted something. I hope he does a follow up like story on it. Um, Sean Ross at Fightful.com, and he said that it may, maybe he was making a joke, but I think I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, look up the tweet, you and and listeners. But um, he said that the fan was uh he was catfished by a fake Seth Rollins account. (laughs) 
think out of his, a bunch of money. And oh. that's why he did it. <laughs> so he thought that Seth Rollins was the person. Maybe. I mean, again, it was like a quick tweet and like nothing was explained. And like it's, it, it could have been just a joke. It was probably just a joke because Sean Ross Seth does do that a lot. It would be funny if that's, if that's the reason why. That would be funny, but I don't think it's the reason why. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just a joke. If it's not a joke, I'm sure he'll make a story about it, um, because that's definitely uh, story worthy. <laughs> if that's true, I'd like to learn more about that. Listen, I just want to <laughs> to all our fans out there. If any like big performer or any celebrity or any beautiful woman ever messages you and asks you for money and you don't actually personally know it's them don't send it don't do it don't be dumb <laughs> that's the moral of today just don't be dumb yeah i remember bailey messaged me once yeah and she wanted me to send her money i did no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, not her but alexa bliss needed money once because um i guess she's has money problems working for the WWE. she needed like a thousand dollars mm-hmm I guaranteed you a picture of her feet too yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> they looked like men's feet <laughs> <laughs> they were hairy <laughs> hairy with ungrown toes <laughs> i just want to talk about something a show i went to recently uh, called Chaotic Wrestling. It's a local Massachusetts indie. It's small. I know most of you don't know it, but um, you know they they're very good. And I went to the show. It was a six match card. It was called Breaking Point, and it was one of the most fun wrestling, if not the most fun wrestling event I ever went to. It was awesome. Like um, there was a great title change that happened in it. Uh, the main event was like a five-on-five elimination match, kind of like like Survivor Series style, but also like war game style. Like every three minutes, two people from each team would come out, get added to the match, and once all ten were out, it turned into a no DQ match. So there are people going through doors, there are trash can lids, the thumbtacks. Um, there was a ring bell not shot, like Anthony Green put a ring bell on a, a wrestler got Danny Miles nuts <laughs> took a little hammer to ring out of him. It was just uh it was hilarious. It was a great match. There was like uh there were a couple there was a turn in the match, a heel turn in the match, and there was a fake heel turn in the match before that. It was just great storytelling because the owner of the promotion chased Amonti's feuding with the unit. It was Team Chaotic versus the unit. Some recognizable names that all fans know are, well, Anthony Green was in the match. He was with NXT. Um, D- Dirty Dango, formerly Fandango, WWE, he was in the match. Uh, it was it was awesome. And the whole card was great. J.D. Drake from uh, AEW, he faced Davian, who you might have seen in Dark a few times. And that's just a fantastic uh, title match. Um, those two really brought it and then after the match i mean jay drake was a heel the whole match and like he was like arguing with fans and making fun of little kids uh he was a true heel and then after the match he's like just stop boring me you might like what i have to say for once and uh he just praised davy and said davy's like the toughest 
rest woman and he's like no not woman toughest wrestler i've ever faced and she needs to get signed like yesterday and stuff like that it was a really cool moment uh there are other great matches too there was like a chaotic like eight-man tag uh, four different teams facing off to decide who the number one contender the title is uh our past guest uh bobby orlando and his tag team partner bryce donovan so the tag team ship crew they they won so they're the number one contenders that's the only spoiler i give because now for the next part, um, you can watch this anyone, not just New England people. It will be available on Twitch TV on Sunday night. Uh, so the 28th, right? 28th at 8 p.m. on Twitch. Take Chaotic Wrestling. You'll find it. It's free. You don't have to subscribe to um, Chaotic, but definitely worth a check out because you get the whole library. And they've had Sasha Banks, Kofi, Kingston. Um, Champa, Dajakovic, so many handsome Johnny, aka Ivar, so many great talents gone through those doors. So you can watch old matches from those people from the Indies. Uh, Christian Casanova, who's now um, Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, so many people. But yeah, Sunday night, 8 p.m., breaking point. It's the whole event. It's not just half of it. Usually they split them up, but there's only six matches the card. So go check that out learn more about chaotic and watch this is great event and you can probably hear me screaming my head off <laughs> Pierce, i heard you got into a little shouting match with a child during this match yeah so there was a chaotic wrestling new england championship match and um the the champion brad cash was a face or a face in chaotic anyways and um there's a little kid who's cheering for him obviously i was rooting against his for his opponent opponent ricky smokes and you know, as I'm chanting for Ricky Smokes, the kid's like, no, no. And I'm like, yes, yes. And we're arguing and other stuff. And um, you know, it, it was funny. Like, I'm starting Ricky Smokes chance. He's trying to start that cashy chance. It was it was funny. It was it, <laughs> my buddy who came with me and slapped his head off because I'm arguing with this little kid. <laughs> Friendly arguing. I'm not like, you know, I was being a dick to a little kid. I'm trying to keep it keep her friendly uh yeah but the kid was so defeated uh well no i don't want to spoil anything he wasn't defeated jk take that back <laughs> it was it was a uh, it was funny interaction and then um the the match right after was the main event five and i was rooting for the good guys again and i was like i'm rooting for the good guys again you don't have to worry about me he's like good <laughs> yeah it was, it was it was a funny little interaction between me and the kid um yeah, I know there are a few interactions throughout the show. Um, there was that right before the show, me and my buddy were going to, we're trying to find the bathroom, go to the bathroom. We just had a little like 30 minute drive to get to the show. And um, there's a little glass door right behind, before the bathroom. I open it and my buddy starts to go through, but there's another person going through and my buddy and that person all, almost collide. My buddy steps back. I look up to look at the person. It's Fandango. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, Dango. How you doing, man? He's like, oh, I'm good. I'm great. I'm great night, guys. It's like, what's up? I'm like, what's up, Dango? He's like, what's up, guys? Went on his his way. (laughs) Is he as handsome as he appears to be in person? Oh, yeah. No, he was a handsome man. (laughs) He is definitely a handsome man. That is not exaggerated. TV does not exaggerate at all. At all. Uh, one person that was at the show, he didn't wrestle in the event, but um, we did a meet and greet right before Chris Hero. 
I didn't get to see him. Um, I just, you know, I didn't want, I couldn't do a bunch of meet and greets at the time. I only did the JD Drake one and um, buy a little share from him. But yeah, I didn't get to see Chris Hero. I didn't even get to run into him. Once the meet and greet did, I did go to bed and see if I could like see him leaving the, the meet and greet room, but it didn't happen. But uh, yeah, no, it was a great event. So again, Twitch, Catholic Wrestling, watch it. Sunday, 8 p.m. All right, time for the final segment of Top of the Cage podcast. We're doing another Mount Rushmore, and we're doing Mount Rushmore of finishing moves. This is our personal Mount Rushmore's, Mount Rushmore's to us. Um, but, like, still, I say my Mount Rushmore, all four are very popular moves, that all four are probably in consideration for most people. So I'll just start with my first one. Um, this isn't an order. It's just a Mount Rushmore, but um, F5 by Brock Lesnar. Uh, I'm a big suplex guy, like German suplexes, stalling suplexes, slams, and throws, stuff like that. I love it. So um, every time this Brock Lesnar scoops guy and sends him flying to the side with that F5, it just looks devastating. It's not many people do that F5. And the other people that do F5s, it's also pretty like uh, final like you're not really kicking out of that five very often it, it's a true finisher i still think it is deadly and is a be all end all sometimes finishers just get overused and get kicked out a lot or other people use them as just normal moves and they lose the meaning not that five it's still special it's still a spectacle and you don't see it most of the time so yeah, that's that's my first. I like the pick of the F5. I personally am not going to put it on my list, but I mean, it definitely has put away plenty of superstars. For me, the first one that I immediately think of when I think of finishing moves in wrestling, the RKO. It comes out of nowhere. It is, at this point, like a cultural meme. You know, it, at this point, everybody in, in their lives has heard, watch out, watch out. RKO or has referenced you know doing an RKO to somebody in their life I'm sure I'm sure you because I know I definitely have RKO'd somebody like into a pool or onto the ground or you know whatever whatever like everybody's RKO'd somebody in their life and in wrestling again they're the three most devastating letters in all the sports entertainment and there's a reason for that it's helped Randy Orton win multiple championships multiple matches multiple big events and you know, I, I think it definitely deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. So it's not on mine, but I was really hoping you would put it on yours because it definitely needs to be mentioned. RKO is definitely one. Like, it's tough picking four. There's so many great finishers, and there's definitely in consideration because the RKO or a Diamond Cutter, as it once was called by another person who uses the finisher in a different way. Yeah, it's a legendary move, and you said doing – Doing the RKO to your buddies in a pool. Like, I remember, uh, I remember buddy Matt, like, RKO me off the diving board. Or, like, I would do it to him. It was, it's fun. Like, you run up the side and you do this. You don't even have to touch each other. <laughs> just, like, do little motions. It's, it's yeah. That was just, it was, and it's just a forever meme. So, yeah, I'll go off to the second Mount Rushmore for me. This is an old oldie. But you still see some guys do it. Like Lance Archer has an iteration of this move. Um, it's his finisher. Razor Ramon. 
Razor's Edge. He's not the only person who did this move. Nash did too. But um, yeah, Scott Hall, the Razor's Edge. It's just like, it just looks like it hurts. It's just lifting someone up by the shoulders and like holding them up like that and then like really high, especially if you're a big man and then dropping them on your that like neck and your shoulder blades. It just looks devastating. Like it looks impactful, like something you don't want to take. It's a very believable finisher. It's very believable that you can't kick out of this. Uh, there's not much to say. Like he, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, aka Scott Hall, is a legend. And this move is a big part of why he's a legend. There's a reason a lot of people use this to this day, including Lance Archer. Uh, yeah, there's not much more to add to that. Just Razor's Edge is number two for me. No, I, I completely agree with that. I, I almost put Razor's Edge on my uh, list. Just because, again, it's it's an iconic move. It's classic. It looks like it hurts. It's believable. And it's a finishing move. You know, like, that is that is kind of like a true blue classic finishing move. It is not on mine, but I was very close to putting it on. For me, my number two, and I know we just kind of talked about a move that people do a lot. And although people do do this move a lot, a lot of people have this move as their finisher. And to me, the spear is a definitely Mount Rushmore worthy finishing move. I mean, you think of guys like Roman Reigns, Edge, Bobby Lashley has a spear in his arsenal too. Goldberg has a spear in his arsenal. You know, like all of those people are defined by their spear. Like they all have devastating spears. And it's a move, again, we've all probably speared somebody at some point in our life. I remember when my dad, when I played football for the first time in like eighth grade, my dad told me, it's just like spearing somebody. And that's how I learned how to tackle. It's just like spearing somebody. So, so, so I think that the spear is a thousand percent deserving to be on there. If I had to say my favorite spear of all time, I'm going to have to give it an edge. I mean, man just perfected it man has won so many again so many championships uh, even roman reigns and goldberg and bobby lashley all so many championships so many great moments and matches that have had like four or five spears sometimes happen in them but you know it's it's a it, for some guys it's a guaranteed finish guaranteed win and it's a pretty move too i like a good spear for the spear i'm not the biggest spear guy i mean sometimes when you do it the way I like it, definitely. Also, I feel like it, it gets kicked out of a lot because it's used by so many people, and sometimes it's just a signature. Uh, we are talking about chaotic wrestling earlier. Davienne has it. She's a great spear. Edge's spear, I know it's so iconic, and I'm getting a trash down for saying this, but I'm a guy, I like I like you being completely straight when you're doing that spear. Like a, you're, you're like in the air completely and not just bent over and you do a little hop into it. And that's kind of how Edge does his, especially now. But like uh, Bobby Lashley, like Biggie, when they do a spear, they're completely like straight. They're up in the air. They're like completely parallel to the ground. That's how I love my spears. It can be a devastating move. And I always thought if I went into wrestling, I'd definitely use a spear at some point, <laughs> multiple times. It's like easy to do. I play football, so that's how you tackle people. And it, it just seems like a fun thing to do in a wrestling match. It's not my favorite thing, but it, it, sometimes I do pop work when it's done the way I like it. Other times, 
I don't when it's that little bent over hop because it kind of just pisses me off to do a little hop. I'm like, I'll just hop and just like tap your shoulder, spear them. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's it on the spear. I'll lead to my next. It's a cross face, but I'll specify it to what's cross face. I'll say a yes lock, Daniel Bryan's iteration of the cross face. Bank statement is awesome too. I mean, you can use either or, you just use a cross face generally. I feel like you're, you're cranking on that lower part of the mouth, cranking the neck back. And like, I've had people do this to me and I've done it to people like when I used to do back guard wrestling with my friends. It hurt. It's 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 hurts. It's not comfortable. <laughs> I mean, I know like uh, the wrestling and scripting stuff, and like you're not putting full pressure. Is this like a arm bar or a um, move in like UFC? No, obviously not. But it still hurts. It's like fucking you cranked back, and it just looks people selling it and screaming with their mask covered and stuff like that. And, and it's hard to tap out of. You don't see many people tap out of it. And I mean, kick out of it. They do tap out of it. <laughs> That's the point of it, the tap. Uh, escape it is, is tough. Uh, yeah, this is a great move. And uh, I'm a big Daniel Bryan guy. So, and I used to be a big Chris Benoit guy when I was a kid, obviously, not anymore because what happened with him, but he made it look really a scary move like a true finisher at the time and Dana Bryan still does to this day yeah that's enough for the cross face aka yes lock yeah I like the cross face too um I don't I, it isn't personally on mine but again I I definitely can attest to um you know your your Chris Benoit comments of I used to be a big fan of it and with Daniel Bryan, I think it's very interesting. And again, Sasha, even kind of Cena to a point too. Like the STF at some point is, can kind of be a cross face, you know, depending on who you're talking to about it. But Gargano too. Yeah, yeah, right. For my next one, it's not a finish. It's not a submission. I'm saving my submission move to the end because I have two that I'm still debating between. And for me, this move is, again, as classic as wrestling is is and it's the stunner you know again a lot of people are using stunners more in their arsenal now but there was a point in time where nobody kicked out of that stone cold stunner nobody and we've seen cena do the springboard stunner we've seen owens now put the stunner in his arsenal you know it's it's a move as classic as as classic can be and it has finished so many people, won so many matches, and is so iconic. Again, you've probably stuttered somebody in your life. <laughs> you know, it's that, that just kind of is where I get most of my wrestling move Mount Rushmore things from, is just where how it transcended a little bit into, uh, like, a transcended wrestling in a sense. And, I mean, you know, one of the most over-wrestlers of all time is Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's his finishing move. Nobody can do a stunner without thinking of Stone Cold. Nobody can do a stunner without thinking about, you know, just the oversells or just how people crumpled after it sometimes. You know, it's it's a great move. And I think it definitely deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. Definitely. And it's just become a meme. And it's just, um, if you're not even a wrestling fan, you know, you know the spear and you know the stunner. So, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'll just, there's really nothing to add, more add to that. That's definitely deserving. 
obviously was in contention for mine. I'll go to the last one. Me. It's a. Uh, it says uh, the current name is Attitude Adjustment, but I always used. I still call it the FU. <laughs> um, like I said, I love people picking them up and a big slamming suplex type finishers, and this is just a big part of my childhood. I love seeing that move. I'm being Massachusetts boys. John Cena was, you know, one of our heroes. So that move is near and dear to my heart. And it's just such a great finisher, dude. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I was really close to putting the FU on my list. And I mean, you can kind of you can kind of like mix that into the F5 talk, you know. I mean, technically the FU did come from John Cena's feud with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So I thought about not putting them both on, but I was like, you know, I love them both so much. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do like it. I mean, you know, the, the fireman's carry, you know, there's a lot of wrestling moves that come out of the fireman's carry, you know, be it the GTS, the F5, um, uh, the, the avalanche neckbreaker. I can't remember the actual name of it. I think it might just be the avalanche neckbreaker, honestly. Um, you know, you, you got a lot of moves that come out of a, of a, of a, of a hold like that and again that, that's you can't deny that john cena probably won at least 12 of his world championships with an fu you know it, it's it's as iconic again i've fu'd plenty of people into pools before you know i i remember my friend used to have a uh like a, a blow up john cena that was like weighted by sand so like you know like as a 12 year old kid that's pretty hard to lift up and I remember we used to just practice our FUs into the pool on that John Cena. We would just like go and like fly and drop the elbow on it into the pool or whatever. So a lot of good memories with an FU. Now, for my final Mount Rushmore, I am still in between two. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I like to open this one up to debate on which one, which one as a collective we decide is better. And it's between the sharpshooter and the figure four. Because both, I feel like, are equally as iconic, considering the wrestlers who really made them iconic. But the thing about a figure four is there's really, like, three main wrestlers that do figure fours, right? Ric Flair, Charlotte Flair, and The Miz. And, you know, all of those have... The, the two latter obviously got Rick's blessing to use the actual move itself. And for Charlotte, she's made the figure eight. And for The Miz, you know, I don't know how many actual times The Miz has won the match with the figure four, but... When you look at a sharpshooter, think about how many superstars in history have done sharpshooters, used sharpshooters, right? How many times Bret Hart has won a match with it? The Rock has won matches with it. Natalia has used it in matches, right? If you're a Canadian, you probably have a sharpshooter in your arsenal. And I don't know, like both of them, like the people that they come from are equally as iconic. The moves themselves are equally as iconic. You've probably, again, probably locked a figure four on somebody at some point. Larry locked a sharpshooter at somebody at some point. So I'm, I'm really having a lot of trouble in picking which one I want to put on the Mount Rushmore. This is tough. And when I was picking my one uh, submission, both of those were obviously considered. Um, uh, and also, so was um, the ankle lock. Ultimately, I picked the cross face or the yes lock. Um, I'd say, I think sharpshooter, because also, also it goes by another name at times, scorpion death lock. And um, it, it's, it's not just a move that, is iconic in America. It's also iconic in Japanese wrestling. And I'd say it might be one of the most 
globally known wrestling moves and something you get pop huge pops when you go abroad it's just as much as here i mean the other moves too i mean wrestling is popular all over the place <laughs> but uh that move definitely is something that the different styles is taught in so many if you're training in the uk you're training in japan you're training in america you're going to be taught that pretty quickly like that's iconic wrestling move i think the sharpshooter they're both worthy but i think that's where i would lean you know i think i'm going to agree with you i originally wrote the sharpshooter first before i wrote the figure four because i was like oh well the sharpshooter oh but the figure four but you bring a good point with the, with the scorpion deathlock i mean that's another iconic wrestler that uses it. So I feel like the iconic wrestlers that use the sharpshooter compared to the ones that have used the figure four probably outweigh it a little bit. And, you know, I, I think the sharpshooter does secure that fourth spot for me on my Mount Rushmore. All right. So that's our uh, Mount Rushmore's. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we have different ones. That's kind of curious. But, um, I mean, we were close to having similar ones. I yeah, a lot of a lot of the ones that you have, I considered a lot of the ones that I have you considered. So it's interesting. I, I feel like there's like a pool of like 12 to 15 moves that you could say are true, like Mount Rushmore's. And I think that we have a good scope of, of them. Yeah, there's definitely some that um, you have any honorable mentions you want to mention? Uh, you said the ankle lock. That was one that I definitely would have honorably mentioned. A power bomb. I mean, a lot of people do power bombs, but you know, like a Batista bomb more specifically is kind of what I'm thinking. A last ride. I almost put a choke slam, but again, choke slams are just used super heavily nowadays. And I almost did pile driver too, but you know, again, pile drivers aren't used much in WWE nowadays, and the ones used in AEW are kind of transition spots. So, what about you? I thought about Tombstone Pile Driver. That would be a honorable mention. Styles Clash, uh, Rare Naked Chokes, so like a remission or um, Care for the Clutch. Uh, arm, arm Bar or Disarm Her, be more specific. Mm. I, I, I love a good spinning back elbow. Death by Elbow by JT Dunn in the Indies, or obviously Judas Effect, if you want to go higher than that. I love moons. I, I almost thought about moonsault Spanish flies, but they're so overdone now that you can't really say that because you get kicked out all the times. Um, and I think just because they're so overused now, you can't really in the Mount Rushmore, but I still love seeing them. Definitely want to mention that. I think that's it for, I mean, I mean, it, that's not it, but that's awesome. I, I have one last honorable mention. It's the frog splash. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I think that's one that we kind of overlooked and now looking back, maybe I might want to find a frog splash spot on my Mount Rushmore. I think I hold that in the same esteem that I hold Moonsault or Spanish Fly, that it's used so much, especially as tribute, that it's not a be-all, end-all. Like I feel like most of the time when you see a frog splash, even if it's your finisher, you're getting kicked out. Like That's Monta's sports finisher. Like I feel like that's usually not how he ends matches, even though it's finisher. I mean, he does. He won the titles, the tag titles, but um, yeah, there's so many times it gets kicked out of too. Like it usually takes Montez for like no, he doesn't. Like, he does finish most people with the frog splash, but the thing is, it takes like ten of them. <laughs> All right, and we would love to hear your 
Mount Rushmore of finishing moves. So Juice, where can the people find us on social media? On Twitter, you can find us at capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. On Instagram, T-O-T-C, underscore, pod, all lowercase letters. That's where you can find us and interact with us. Tell us your Mount Rushmore's and just talk to us. Yes, we would love to hear all of your other wrestling takes as well. And as we come crashing down to the mat this week, we just want to again say thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure y'all are going back and checking our old interviews, our old episodes. We have a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content. Again, make sure you're following us on social media. Interact with us. Let us know. Leave a rating for this pod as well when you wherever you listen to it. We appreciate it. So, uh, Juice, unless you have anything else, uh, I am Bill, and this has been Top of the Cage. We will catch you next time.